Second Samuel chapter 11 is where I started last Sunday and this is where I will finish today. I have another service in Washington, D.C., so trust me, I will only preach for two hours. And uh, no, I'm just kidding. I only got a few minutes. Uh, last Sunday, we talked about mishandling God. Uh, if you read Second Samuel chapter 6, you all can be seated. Verse 1 through 11, it, it talks about how David went to get the ark of God back into Jerusalem. So what is the ark of God? The ark of God is this box that's made out of acacia wood. Um, it's a box about uh, almost three feet by maybe two and a half feet. Uh, made in, in wood, but covered in pure gold. Wow. And the top of it, the lid of it is like pure gold. It's solid. And it's called the, it's called the mercy seat. I think we have a picture of it. They may put it on the screen. Um, it shows us from the beginning that God's desire was always to be among his people. You know, if you read in the book of Genesis, the Bible says God would come and walk with Adam in the cool of the day. I believe because of that, I believe that's man's desire for speed. Because think about it, Adam was walking with God. He was walking with God's speed. This is before the fall of Adam. I mean, y'all think about it. Adam had to operate. Scientists even said that we're only using a small percentage of our brain. So imagine before the fall, if Adam was operating at a larger percentage of his brain, to me, he would have had to because he has an assignment to oversee the entire garden and to name everything. And that's my prayer by the spirit of God that you will be open, that God would increase your capacity. How many of y'all, be honest with me, you feel overwhelmed with everything you're doing right now? Just be honest. You feel overwhelmed. How many, can, how many have said, I can't put nothing else on my plate, right? At the same time, all of you that raise your hand and says, I don't feel like I can put anything else on my plate. How many of you all feel like God is still calling you to more? At the same time, now, there are some things on your plate, let's be honest, God didn't put it there. Some people that's on your plate, God didn't put it there. But at the same time, there comes moments where you need to prioritize and there are minutes, moments where you feel like you need to, to take some things off your plate. But have you ever looked at it and said, well, I can't take my kids off. <laughs> I can't take my marriage off. So instead of emptying out the plate, be open to supernaturally God enlarging your capacity for everything. I want you to speak this out of your mouth. Say, God has given me everything I need for the season I'm in. You need to believe that. So instead of getting overwhelmed, start tapping into the part of you that's untapped. Because if God brings it in front of you, that means you already have what you need to accomplish it. Moses is standing before a Red Sea, too much water to swim across. And God tells Moses, hallelujah, I'm sorry, use what's in your hand. I'm speaking to somebody's hands. You got creative ability right here in your hands. There's stuff that they haven't even been designed yet, but it's in your hand. Come on. I'm speaking to you seamstress and you fashion designers. Come on in here. I'm talking to you potters in this room. I'm talking to you individuals in this room who are engineers. I'm declaring to you who are cosmetologists. I'm talking to you who are uh, God has anointed to draw out plans for the city, draw out plans for the community. You have everything you need already in your hand how are you gonna do it though how, how, 
Really, how are you going to do all these things? Zerubbabel, you have an assignment. Nehemiah has to rebuild the wall. Ezra has to come bring the people back to the city. But Zerubbabel, you have to rebuild the temple. But how would these things be? You only got a measuring stick in your hand. Zechariah 4 and 6 said, it's not by might. I'm sorry, y'all had a quick wardrobe change. <laughs> y'all should have seen my fight in that closet to come out here with this matched up outfit, right? Amen. But it's not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, said the Lord. Look at your neighbor and tell your neighbor, if you can do it without God, God didn't call you to do it. And there are moments where you feel like the assignment is killing you. And that's about the assignment that God wants you to carry. And so he met with Adam in the cool of the day. I believe Adam was getting directives. But I also believe Adam was just having fellowship with God. Don't, don't you like those relationships that ain't about nothing? Don't you appreciate sometimes the phone calls that just say, I'm just checking on you? You know, somebody like me, there are moments that I have PTSD. If somebody say, can I meet with you? I'm like, oh, Lord, what is it? And then you get in that midst like, no, I just wanted to just wanted to hang out with you. Because that's awkward, right? Because many of us in this in this room right now, everybody is pulling on us for something. But God says, Adam, I just want to be with you. So it shows out of all the things God created, because don't forget now, when God created Adam and put Adam in the garden, that the garden was already complete. Mm. He didn't say, I'm going to make man, and then I'm going to make some birds, and then I'm going to make some fish, I'm going to make some cattle. No, he made all of that and then made Adam last. So that says something. He made Adam. Last, because out of all the other things he created, he couldn't have relationship with those things. Birds sing without choice. Trees being at the wind without options. But he had a he made a man in his image and in his likeness. Put him in a garden with choices so he could choose. Because he wanted, he wanted to be man's decision. And that's what David says, God, Elohim God, what is man that thou art mindful of him? Look at your neighbor, tell your neighbor, God wants relationship with us. I want to say this because I want to free somebody who came through this strong religious mindset that made you feel that as soon as God saves you, one mistake sends you to hell. That, that once you get saved and you get in church and then you make a mistake, you're going straight to hell. <laughs> now, some of y'all didn't believe that, but I grew up thinking that. I really never could come. I only saw God as some foreign distant deity always standing on a scale of weighing my good and my bad, ready to punish me at any given moment. But I want you to know, he didn't come through 40 and two generations. That once you have repented and came to him, he's ready to destroy you. 
God wants to make good on his own investment. I want you to encourage somebody to tell them God is pushing for you. <laughs> God, God is on your side. I know you brag about I'm on the Lord's side, but you better thank God that the Lord is on your side. I'm not going to get into the debate of eternal security and once saved, always saved. You know, because I honestly do believe that there are some people who started with God and then they reject God. And through their rejection, he turns them over to a reprobated mind. Those who have tasted of the heavenly gift. But as long as you are pursuing God, if I fail, I'm going to fail in my trying. And the Bible says if any man come to God, he is faithful and just to forgive. Maybe we shout about fame, but we should be shouting about forgiveness. Oh, y'all not saying that. You ought to be celebrating the fact that you are forgiven. People will hold your mistakes over your head and you will hold your own mistakes over your head. But he says, but when you come to me, as far as the east is from the west, I thought, look at your neighbor, tell your neighbor, God chose to have amnesia. When it comes to my past and my sins, he says, I will remember them no more. So that's why some of us in this room, we don't ever have to be a preacher, a bishop, an overseer, an elder, a deacon, or a missionary. I am forgiven that's who I am that's my name when you see me shouting and dancing I don't even trust you to tell you all the details just know that I was sinking deep in my sin I was far from the peace for sure but the master he put himself in harm's way on my behalf he put himself on the execution block for my sins and why did he do it he want to have a relationship with me. He rescued me because he wants to have a relationship with me. He was committed to me. He, he was more invested in my healing than I was. It looked like I'm about to do part three on this message. Here we go. I get caught up in the introduction every time. But the Bible says, even when he created a people, don't forget that Israel was not a people. There was no nation of Israel. He took a man that was not a Hebrew to birth a Hebrew nation. <laughs> Can we deal with that? He took a, a idol-worshiping man. A, a man that was not a Hebrew to produce a Hebrew nation. I'm getting ready to, I'm telling you in this room, if you receive it, you're getting ready to birth a place that you weren't even born in. <laughs> you're about to birth a wealthy place and you grew up in poverty. You're about to birth stability and you were produced in instability. <laughs> I need you to scream at somebody and tell them that's why it's been so hard. Because you're getting ready to shift the timeline of your bloodline. That's going to be a zero coming up on the timeline of your family. That's when everything changes. There's going to be a BC season. But then you're coming into an AD season. Oh, all of that was before Christ. What's your family's legacy? Well... 
it was drug addiction before Christ. Hey, what was your family's legacy? It was divorce and promiscuity before Christ. Children all out of wedlock before Christ. It was poverty before Christ. But AD, God used a generation to birth something that had never been birthed before. And I need somebody to shout for your household. Shout for your family. Shout. So uh, God says, Abraham, Abram, I'm going to produce a nation out of you. That's why when we say, when God tells us we're called for the nation, called to the nations, you need to be open that you are called to the nations, but what nations? And, and the nations that God may have called you to may not be a geographical nation as much it could be a nation that's coming out of you I want you to start seeing your children as nations see when I told y'all last week how Jacob or Israel laid hands on Ephraim and Manasseh if you read the prophecies of Jacob over Judah over Issachar over Zebulun you know over Simeon and Levi and even over Ephraim and Manasseh he was speaking to them as a tribe. Even when he made a promise to Abraham, he, the promise wasn't just to Abraham, but it was to Abraham's seed. I need you to look at your neighbor, tell your neighbor, it's going to take more than a lifetime to unpack everything God spoke over you. No, it's going to take more than one lifetime. That means, this is why it's important so that your grandchildren get it on time that you serve faithful in the season that you're in. I come to speak to you that your children are going to come into their place on time. Now, I know what some of you all say, Sarah, Sarah, whatever will be, will be. No, I don't believe in it. I, I believe, I, I don't, some people believe that God is, uh, I believe in theism where God creates something and just walks off from it and has nothing to do with it. And then some people are ultra on the extreme of deism that God is so sovereign that no matter what we do you know nothing nothing changes and nothing we do changes well I want to lift to you that if we can't change or alter anything concerning God's plan then God would never tell us to pray pray would be prayer would be null and void listen what he says in Chronicles if my people who are called by my name if they will humble themselves if they will seek my face if they will turn from their ways then then I'll hear from heaven, I will forgive their sins and heal their land. It comes with a prerequisite. So that tells me somewhere in the balance of that tells us that we are partners with God in our destiny. I said all that to say this. I want you to consider that some of us, where we are right now, is delayed because of somebody else's decisions. And when we hear the prophetic word of God and we get to peek into that and say, hold on. I'm not judging my parents or I'm not judging my grandparents because some of them did not have the knowledge and the revelation that we have now. When God exposes you to where you could be, that's not to judge them, but it's to give you a revelation that you have the ability to redeem the time. 
because God wouldn't show it to you just to frustrate you with it. But he says in Joel chapter 2, in that day, my God, he says, I'm, I'm going to restore unto you the, the, the years that the canker worms, the pummers, my great army that I sent among you, I'm going to give you, in other words, he says, what destroyed it was something that I sent. So it's because it's something I sent, that means I have the authority over what I sent to spit it back to you. I come to tell somebody because of the seasons past, I know it's too much for Sunday morning, and because of because of decisions that were made before you, it delayed your position in God. But I come to tell you the reason why you're hearing this message right now, God says I'm going to redeem the time for you so your children are get it on time. I wish I had somebody here that will praise God. I know some of y'all can't shout because because you just think it's about you, but I need somebody to shout because what God is using you to do is get ready to set up generations of your family. This is a transgenerational blessing. This is a cross-generational blessing. He's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Woo. So, God says, I want, I want, I want you to be a people separated to me. You're going to live different than everybody else. Your diet is going to be different. You're going to do business different. Your attire is going to be different. How you worship me is going to be different than all the other gods worship. Now, in these other religions in Mesopotamia, their gods were off at a distance. Even in Egyptian worship, you have to realize everybody didn't get to connect with God. You know, God was a mystery. And to these ancient religious systems, nobody could really know him. And you had to make a journey to get to him. Oh, but the God of Israel. He said, I want y'all to set out y'all's camp. But when y'all set out y'all's camp, put me in the middle. Because that's where I want to live. I want to live in the center of my people. That whether you're on the east camp or the west camp, the north camp or the south camp, you can look toward me. Whoo, my God. And that's where God wants our leading to be, wherever his presence is. This is how I, this is when I know I'm off. This is when I know I'm off, when I can't look and see his presence in the center of what I'm doing. Now, this is what I know. His presence is my litmus test. Not the applause of people. Because if y'all clap, 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 and I go back to the office and I feel empty, empty, empty. If y'all celebrate, celebrate, and tell me how wonderful I did, and God is silent. You all have heard me tell the story a thousand times. How this, uh, this violinist was playing and he played so well and and it's like Carnegie Hall or some famous hall, musical art hall. And after he played, everybody stood and they was screaming and clapping and, and they were saying, you know, encore, encore. And he went off the stage and just dropped his head and the stage manager says, don't you, hey, you did a great job. He said, no, I didn't. He said, no, you did. You did a great job. He said, no, I didn't. He said, how are you going to say that? Don't you hear the applause of the people? He said, there's a man on the front row and he's sitting. He said, well, how are you going to let one man make you feel like you didn't do good when all of those people are clapping? 
He said, because that one man is my instructor. He's my teacher. And no matter how many other people clap. um, I've always tried to tell Cornelius, I think Cornelius is the best guitar player ever, right? He's my son. I just think he's anointed, he's gifted. And there are moments I've had to tell him that he was like, nah, there are a whole lot of people a whole lot better than me. I'm like, no, it's not. Name one. And he'll start naming people. I'm like, no, they ain't. They're not good. And you know he'll say? You don't know guitar playing. So you're measuring my talent because of your limitation to me. And many of us are measuring our ability by our exposure to each other. And we think we're living pretty well because at least I'm not as bad as her. And at least I'm not bad as him. But if you're going to measure your holiness, you can't measure your holiness by me. You got to measure your holiness by him. Because if he's not standing, I'm not doing well. I need him to be in the center. I need him to be in the center. So as long as they had the ark of God, they had God's approval. God's presence is a sign of his approval. His existence with them. And the the Bible says that it came a time where Moses is dead and they got judges. And this is the hour where they have priests and prophets. We're coming into that dispensation among them where the temple is being led out. And temple worship is led out by a man by the name of Eli. And uh, Eli is a pretty good man. But something's wrong, though. Eli is very physically unhealthy. So we always talk about Eli's son's sin. But I believe when we look at Eli's life, the reason why his sons end up in sin, because Eli ends up in compromise. Now, I don't want to really get too deep in this, because if I really talk about it, some of you may get offended but I want you to know that how well we're doing physically is also an expression of our spirituality come on it ain't just long skirts and hair covers you know if your diabetes can be shifted with your diet then why haven't you changed your diet I'm just going to be honest with y'all because I was rebuking stuff in my body. (laughs) I mean, the Lord healed me last year. Last year, I was going to the doctor and they were claiming everything on me. And when I say they was claiming, they were claiming everything on me. And uh, with my schedule, how I travel and how I eat, because of the assignment, I realized I needed to be more healthy. But I'm like, oh, no, as long as I'm praying... (laughs) Oh, I'm the prophet of God. He gonna keep me. Uh-oh. Y'all see how y'all got uncomfortable in here right now? If you look at Eli, Eli is a priest that's supposed to be operating and continually serving and he can barely stand. And what happens, the reason why sometimes we can't correct our children is because we've compromised.
It's hard as for a pastor to correct people when they know your slip-ups. That's why so many prophets are now hiding in caves and they're settled for feel-good messages and won't bring no correction to the house because you can't correct the house you're sleeping with. But I come to tell you, if you're a parent, if you're a preacher, if you're a teacher, look at somebody, tell them, tell the truth. Even if the truth is against your own children, even if the truth is against your own sin, tell the truth. Tell them I've been there. I've done that, but I will not change the word of God to accommodate my lifestyle. I will not, oh y'all to shut down on me. I will not, I will not compromise the word of God because of what you think you heard. Because at the end of the day, we got to give an account for what we taught. Look at your neighbor, tell your neighbor, the word is for the speaker and the hearer. They got the ark of God, but the Bible says Eli got two sons. And his sons are operating in the spirit of lust. Now let me tell you, the lust came out in two ways. There was food that the priest would get after the meat was boiled. But the spirit of lust on his sons were like, no, we want it all now. You got to be very careful in having the spirit of entitlement in church and in life that makes you feel like you get everything you want when you want it. You got, you got to rebuke that spirit of lust among your kids and allowing them to spaz out because you said no. That's a spirit. That's a spirit of rebellion. You think it's cute, but you better pull that thing up by the root right now. They keep screaming and you finally give it to them. Every once in a while, you got to let them scream and say, I see you scream all you want to, but you're going to know who the authority is in this house. Because what you're communicating, that if you show off bad enough, your show, the reward of your show off is that you will get what you want. And that's a principle that they will take in life. That bad behavior produces good fruit. Oh man, I got two minutes left. So that was one aspect of their lust. The spirit of wantonness not willing to wait hyper consumers lacking budget oh my god hallelujah and then the second thing is that they were sleeping with the women in the temple this is why it is important hear me this is why people thought i was extreme in the early years of our church when I would tell everybody that if you're not married, I would tell our members, don't sit with each other. If you're dating, if y'all not engaged, don't sit with each other. And people used to thought that was cultish. No, I was just being a spiritual father. Because what happens when y'all booed up together in church and then it don't work out, then you almost feel like you got to leave your church because now they sit beside somebody else in the service. Y'all not saying nothing. 
if you love him and he and he wants to get connected with you you tell him come on go come with me to church but you need to sit up there with the brothers sit up there now y'all y'all call me crazy but y'all saw some things that happened over the years this is why we call each other brother and sister because it reminded us that this is brother Darius and this is sister candy you know why because if I see you another way then I need to be accountable to somebody else because if I'm not seeing you another way and I'm just playing with you that makes you guilty of incest Now, I know somebody said, what does this have to do with the presence of God? Everything, everything. Because the Bible says, when the Philistines came up against them, when the Philistines came up against them, they said, oh, we're we going to battle, and we know how to win, because like we lose it, but we know how to win. Go, go get the ark. And who went to get it? Eli's sons. Go, go get the tamarines. Let's have church. We know how to make this happen. And they died. Because there are rules of engagement. Help us. Help us. Woe unto me if I don't preach it. Woe unto me if I don't preach it. There are rules of engagement. It matters who carries it. And it matters how you carry it. Something that should have brought them victory brought them death. Mm. And it brought them death. And the scripture said, when their father heard it, he fell back and broke his neck and died. Now, if y'all look close at the scripture, he didn't have a heart attack because his sons died. He had a heart attack because they lost the ark. He realized that the loss of the ark was even worse than the death of his sons. And so the Philistines got it. Hey, we got Israel's fancy box. We have captured Israel's God. And while they're celebrating, hemorrhoids came on the people. Tumors came on the people. Because we always talk about, I'm a friend of God. But the, the David says something about, he's terrible. Don't you know he's a friend to his friends, but an enemy to his enemies? What, what was that teaching us? You don't get to use the power of God without a relationship with God. You don't just get to pick up God because you're running for political office. You don't get to just give God credit for all your sex music at an award show. You don't just get to pick up God and pray out of your convenience. He says, my presence is for relationship, not as a good luck charm. You can't conquer me. You can't conquer me. You can't mishandle me. And you know what they did? This is what they did. And I'm wrapping up because I'm going to a part three. I'm going to get to David next Sunday, all right? I am going to be here next Sunday, right? I'm going to be here next Sunday? Okay, good. I didn't want to tell no lie. Part three next Sunday. They had enough nerve, Dom, to put the ark of God in their temple beside their God. 
You know what it's called? We're doing, oh, we're doing that. Oh, we're doing that now. We are doing that in 2022. You know what it's called? It's called mixed worship. Where, where are you worshiping Jehovah God? Hallelujah. With your Jehovah music and your yoga movements. Uh Oh, oh, look it up. I'm sorry. You didn't know. You didn't know that was Hindu worship. I'm sorry. You didn't know. You know now. You worshiping God. You got anointing oil and you're burning sage. It's mixed worship. I'm not scared of nobody in here. I'm going to stand on the word because a word that's not preached is a word that's not. It's mixed worship. Buddhist. Our God. It's mixed worship. Hey. Hallelujah. Ancestral worship. Talking about the answer. You praying to your ancestors. My God. Your Afrocentric existence, and you calling in the, the spirits of the ancestors, and you call yourself a Christian, you call yourself a believer. It's mixed worship. We don't even pray to angels, we don't even pray to Mary. Mary had to go to the upper room and get the Holy Ghost. Worshiping to any, praying to any of the saints, praying to any idols, praying to any other ancestors is mixed worship and you sitting with your friends trying to be relevant when they telling you well we all serve in the same God no we not we are not serving the same God you believe in karma that is not faith that's not the faith of Christians oh hallelujah because if karma is real that means everything you ever did is coming back on you I don't believe in karma so I'm not submitted to the law of karma I'm submitted to the law of grace I wish I had somebody in this room that says I sinned but he forgave me hallelujah I sowed bad seeds hallelujah but he caused crop failure and gave me redemption that's Sunday morning they went to worship and they put the ark of God beside Dagon, their God. Dagon would have fallen over. Even Dagon had to worship. So you know what they did? They propped Dagon back up. That should tell you something right then. Some of you are worshiping your relationship. And the mere fact that you got to keep propping it up tell you that there ain't a God worth serving. He said, okay. Oh, y'all, y'all gonna keep him in here beside me? Next day they come in, the head of Dagon was in the doorway. Because God says, I'm too much God to share a space with another. He says, I will not be mishandled. Will not be mishandled. Hey, this is Bishop S.Y. Younger. Thank you for watching this video. And now, what I need you to do is like and subscribe to this YouTube channel so you can continue to get more inspirational, motivational, and gospel content in your direction.